0: Today, we're going to continue to hear about the experience of the first disciples as they learned of Jesus's resurrection and he appeared to them. There's so much to learn in this experience as they're navigating a whole lot of change and trauma and grief all at the same time as their old way of living and their new way of living are colliding. And Jesus makes all of the difference. And so today, we're going to take a look at what the disciples and those early appearances can teach us about the value and the need for Christian friendship in trying times. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 20. We'll be reading verses 19 through 29. And so I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So my 20th high school reunion has been canceled. I've got mixed feelings about that. So on one hand, it would have been great to see my classmates again. On the other hand, I can't shake the feeling that we'd be stuck with 20-year-old reputations. (laughs) Maybe you've been there. Uh, We've all changed, of course, but we've got these notions of who everyone is. I mean, every time I think about the successful college professor, all I can think about is how she threw up on the floor in the second grade. And I'm sure that people look at me and think, he became a preacher? Yeah, high school was a mixed bag for me, y'all. I mean, we can talk about that another time. People's perceptions of our memorable moments often define our reputations. I mean, I've had some great memorable moments, and I've had some bad ones. What I'm thankful for, though, are the people in my life who can remember the good ones when I give them a bad one. They're the people who've made the most significant difference in my life. Do you have people like that in your life? People who understand where you're coming from, even when they have different perspectives? People who are willing to give you space to process things without pinning a reputation on you or rejecting you for not being where they are? I hope you do. And I'm glad that Thomas the apostle that we just read about had people like that in his life because that man has got a reputation. He's doubting Thomas. History hasn't been very kind to Thomas. I mean, for centuries, sermon after sermon has proclaimed, do not be like Thomas. Do not doubt. Just believe he's become this uh, uh, poster child of what not to do. I mean, come on, one point of contention, and there goes his whole reputation. I mean, I can only imagine uh, how people will look at him at the reunion. Well, doubt is a big word in a faith that's built on belief. Yet I think that Thomas deserves better than the high school reunion treatment. There's so much more to him than one uncomfortable moment. Uh, For example, Thomas... Ends up making the most powerful proclamation about Jesus in the entire Gospel of John. So when Jesus appears to him, Thomas cries out, My Lord and my God. Now, that might sound uh, pretty normal to us, but Thomas is the first person in the Gospel to proclaim that Jesus is God. Now, earlier, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah, but Thomas makes the biggest confession of all. Yes, he is the Messiah. He is Lord and he is God. Wow. That confession brings the gospel of John full circle. I mean, think about that. If you look at John 1, 1. Go ahead, pause it. You can go look if you want to. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the gospel begins with the proclamation from John that the Word was God, and it comes to a close with Thomas proclaiming that truth. Thomas was indeed skeptical. But out of the greatest doubt came the greatest confession. So you see, Thomas is so much more than that one memorable moment, just like we all are. And I'm glad that he had people around him that knew that. And so today, what I want to do is I want to zoom out from Thomas's doubt to look at the people around him. Because they offer us a vision for Christian friendship in trying times. And I think that this is especially important in these days as our response to the COVID-19 pandemic wears on and wears us out. So let's take a look at what's going on around them. Jesus's followers are in a traumatic moment. Everything around them is constantly changing. Does that sound familiar? The tension is thick. Just three days earlier, Jesus was crucified. And most of them had fled the scene. So there's guilt on top of grief. And let's add to that a heavy dose of fear. Verse 19 tells us that the disciples locked themselves in the house because they were afraid of the authorities. And if that's not enough, throw some confusion in there too. Because they received news that Jesus' body wasn't in the tomb. That's what Mary Magdalene had come to say. Mary, she had her experience. Peter, he had another. We're all locked in a room. No one has seen Judas for days. What's going on with that guy? And who knows where Thomas is? So you see, it's a confusing, traumatic mess. And that's when Jesus appears in the room. I love this. Who needs a locksmith when uh, you can just appear inside a locked room? I love what he says to them. And I almost wish that we would just stop today and say, uh, hear these words for you, and maybe you could do that. He says to them in the middle of all of this, peace be with you. And then he shows them his wounds. And he blesses them with the Holy Spirit. And when Thomas, who wasn't there, when he finally shows up, all the disciples, they tell him, they say, hey, man, we've seen the Lord. And that's when Thomas utters his famous words. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Ah, doubting Thomas. I'm going to be honest, though. I mean, can you really blame him? All of the other disciples, they had seen. Go back and look at Peter, uh, the passage just a few verses ago where Peter runs to the tomb. You'll see the direct words, and he saw and believed. And all of the other apostles, they had called this an idle tale from the gospel of Luke, and they thought it was nonsense until Jesus showed himself to them. Doubting Thomas. Well, that whole thing brings us to the first part of this vision for Christian friendship in trying times. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a statement one phrase at a time. And the first is this. We disagree. We disagree. So now, the uh, disciples and Thomas... They might be in the same space, but they're definitely not in the same place. Suddenly, someone shows up whose convictions don't agree with the rest of theirs. Now, that can be a recipe for irreconcilable conflict these days. It's kind of sad. No, it's, it is. And, it, and we're all influenced by it in one way or another. It's hard not to be. But our society encourages us to reduce people to their views on this or that matter and to actually vilify people whose experiences don't align with our own. A disagreement becomes a battle to the bitter end. And at our best, we Christians are able to see beyond that in love and to act in the ways that Christ would call us to. At our worst, though, And let's be honest, we can be worse. The group of disciples shows us that disagreement doesn't have to damage relationships. They tell Thomas, they say, this is how we see it. And Thomas disagrees. And Thomas tells them how he sees it. And they disagree. They could have easily labeled Thomas a heretic and tossed him out. They could try to argue him into submission. They could say, hey, don't be such a doubting Thomas. Hey, he pulled a Thomas, didn't he? Doubting all the time. But they didn't do any of that. None of that. The term doubting Thomas doesn't come from their lips. It's not in the Bible. It comes from people who don't know him and who just pick out one little part of his inner life and struggle And define him by it. You know, a friend of mine wrote an article the other day. It's called The Quarantine Pendulum. And in it, he describes how quickly our emotions can swing in this crazy time. From happy to terrified to normal to abnormal and in between. He described, and I agree with him, that it's extremely important for us to recognize that pendulum swing in ourselves And recognize that it's in other people. And recognize and be self-aware enough to know when we're reacting out of that swing and when other people are too. The reality is, things are changing so fast and everybody approaches every moment from such a different vantage point that we're not all going to be at the same place at the same time. And I'm not just talking about physical place. And as time passes... What we're discovering, if we didn't know already, is that people have differing convictions about how to live in these times. And rightly so, because all of our needs and experiences are influencing how we see this whole thing. And no two people are having the exact same experience. And so there will be disagreements of various magnitudes. But the way that we say... I disagree, will define whether we end up with stronger friendships or fewer friendships when this is all said and done. And I think that one of the most important things that the church can bring to the world right now is the ability to disagree with love and respect. What an antidote to the souls of the people around us if we continue to demonstrate the ability to disagree with love and respect. And so that brings us to the second part of this vision for Christian friendships in trying times. Number two, we disagree, but you're safe with me. We disagree, but you're safe with me. Take a look at uh, verse 26. It says this, A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. You see that? Despite their disagreement, Thomas stays with them for a whole week. I love that. It's not like uh, my way or the highway, bud. It's despite all of this, they're still together. And that speaks to me because in my life, the most important moments had been when people sat with me when I was processing things that they didn't agree with. I remember Betty. I might have told you about Betty, and you'll hear about her a lot. She's an absolute saint of a woman. I actually got to visit with her a little while ago. She became like a, a grandmother to me in my twenties and really mentored me in the faith. And a quick time out. Uh, this is a good place to mention for all of you uh, who wonder if what am I going to bring to the next generation of people everything. You can bring everything. You can bring life change by coming alongside people of any generation, but you have a lot to offer. Anyway, I hope you received that. So Betty became like a grandmother to me in my 20s, and there was this season where I was carrying a lot of brokenness and a lot of shame. And it was extremely heavy. And I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do with that. But I knew that Betty loved me. And so I took a risk. And I shared it all with her. And I know for a fact that as she listened to me, unburdened my soul, that she did not agree with everything I shared with her. But she listened. And when I was finished, I, I held my breath while I waited for her to speak. It's kind of like a, a, a lot of my soul hinged on how she would receive that. And she looked at me and said, Jim, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. If I were to write a list Of things that people have told me that have changed my life. I would title the list I loved you anyway. And that moment not only inspired me then. It inspires me today to strive for a holy life. To strive after God and to open myself up to him in new and special ways. And it inspires me more than any guilt trip ever has. And all of that. Because Betty chose to be a safe place for me to express my heart. Among his friends, Thomas is able to express an unpopular but genuine need in his life. He was having trouble taking their word for it, and he needed to see what they had seen. In this world of conditional acceptance, I think it's good for the soul to have people to whom we can express these things. The truth is, and and you can't deny this, we all have complicated feelings and experiences. And a friend that can provide a place for someone to share all of that and love them anyway is a friend who can change the course of someone's life. In trying times especially, the world needs people who are willing to say, we disagree, but you're safe with me because I love you anyway. And that brings us to the third and really the most important part about what the disciples around Thomas teach us about Christian friendship in trying times. And it completes the phrase, number three, we disagree, but you're safe with me while Jesus meets your needs. We disagree, but you're safe with me while Jesus meets your needs. Jesus' appearance to Thomas, I love this, you can just look at the text, it follows the exact same formula as the appearance to the other disciples with one exception. In both stories, the doors were locked, everyone was gathered together, Jesus came and stood among them, He said, peace be with you, and then spoke with them. Except in Thomas's case, Jesus seems to know exactly what Thomas needs. He says, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. He offers the exact, almost word for word, answer to Thomas's needs. The other disciples, you see, they got to witness the transformation in Thomas from the greatest doubt to the greatest confession. And all because they modeled Christian friendship despite their differing experiences. By welcoming Thomas in and not trying to push and conform, but giving him space giving him that space to honestly express his needs, they end up giving him the greatest gift of all, the opportunity to encounter Jesus who can actually and genuinely change his heart. It was the exact same experience that Jesus offered them. And I imagine, I know that I would feel this way, let me speak for myself, that it was a great joy to witness Jesus give to their friend who was struggling with so much in this time of trauma, in these trying times. To give to Jesus, to give to Thomas, just what he had given them. You know, what we learn here is that Jesus knows our needs, and he can meet them. Do you remember the story in early in the Gospels uh, about the time that Jesus was in the house and... Um, there was a line of people coming to be healed and, and there was a man who was so sick he couldn't get there so his friends, they put him on a stretcher and they bore him all the way over to the house and they ended up tearing the roof off of someone else's house so that they could lower their sick friend down to meet Jesus. Sometimes we bear our friends to Jesus. Other times we bear with our friends while they wait for Jesus. Jesus. Either way, the motivation is the same. For love of our friends' souls, we do what it takes so they can encounter Christ. Thomas certainly has a reputation. But thank God that he had friends like that. And not just for his sake, but for ours. Because we see in that newly Spirit-filled community... A vision for Christian friendships in trying times. We may disagree, but you're safe with me while Jesus meets your needs. We may disagree, but you're safe with me while Jesus meets your needs. I think the world needs that right now. My friends need it. So do yours. So do I. Do you have friends like that in your life? I want to tell you, we would love to be those friends for you if you'll let us. You don't have to think a certain way or hide your needs or impress anybody. We're honored to receive you as you come. Struggles, clarity, lack of clarity and all. We are honored to wait with you Because we know that when we do, that you will have an opportunity to experience Jesus. And so, even when we don't share the same experience, even when our outlooks on life are different, even when we don't share deeply held convictions in common, even if we disagree, you're safe with me while Jesus meets your needs. I hope that you'll remember that phrase and that you will remember it and put it into practice as you share the transforming love of Jesus with your friends and as they share it with you. I invite you to pray with me. Father God, I thank you for the gift of Christian friendship and fellowship. Through the lives of other believers, we know just what it is like that you are with us because they are with us. It is a sign for us that your love is that near and more near. And so we ask, Lord, that you would use us to be good Christian friends to others. To allow them the space to express themselves and not to feel threatened when their experience is different than ours. Protect us from that. But give us the courage and the strength of spirit. To make the space in our relationships safe for them to share whatever they need to. That we might wait with them for Jesus. And may we pray for them and with them. And Father, for those who need someone today. I pray that you will uh, inspire the heart of someone to reach out to them. Or that you would inspire them to reach out to our church. So that we can start helping them build connections as you lead us. May it be that people know what a good and wonderful God you are because of the way that we, as your children, share in friendship and fellowship with one another and with the world. Father, we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I invite you to pray about this word. Pray about your friendships. Do you need to seek forgiveness? Do you need to forgive? Do you need to celebrate with a friend who's inspired you? Whatever it is that you need to seek the Lord for, as we sing our hymn of invitation, I invite you to meditate upon these things and sing God's praise as we do. If you felt God work in your life in any particular way today, we celebrate that. Will you let me know either through a Facebook message or a private comment? I would love to be able to partner with you and walk with you. And remember, even if we disagree, you're safe with me until Jesus meets your needs. And may that be true for all of us. Let's sing together.